0: Coming up today on The Story.
1: I said, well, you know, how are we going to get there? He said, oh, we'll just go by faith. God will provide. And I, you know, I mean, this day and age, someone says that, everybody goes, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that's what happens. If God wants you somewhere, He will get you there. He's quite capable mm-hmm. of directing your path and shedding light on the way. And He'll provide what you need.
0: The Story. The Story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, what would lead a couple to drop everything and give up their comfortable Australian life to work with recovering drug addicts with the Teen Challenge Ministry in Kazakhstan? Today, Jan Mao will share her and her husband's story and we'll find out how God led them overseas. Incidentally, they say it's one of the most fulfilling things they've ever done. Jan's having a chat and sharing how it all came about with Shelley Scullin.
2: What was it that made you uh, just leave everything behind and up and go to Kazakhstan?
1: Well, my husband and I, we'd, um, we were living in Ipswich at the time. And uh, we both began to feel that uh, there was something more that we wanted to do with our lives. Uh, we didn't know what. It was just sort of sitting there and... Um, our son went overseas on a short mission trip to Kazakhstan uh, with our local church, and um, he came back with you know all sorts of stories and uh, photos. But we didn't think anything uh, at the time apart from, oh, that's great for you, but we could never do anything like that. Um, but we still had this strong feeling we just wanted to do something more. So we did what we normally do and we prayed and said, look, God, if you'd like us to do something, just give us a hint, wave a flag, you know, something like that. And um, then from that point on, uh, we couldn't go anywhere uh, without hearing something about Kazakhstan. Really? <laughs> just kept popping up in movies, newspapers, magazines. It, it became quite ridiculous, actually.
2: <laughs> Which is odd, because you don't really hear a whole lot about Kazakhstan around the place. Like, even I was trying to figure out how to spell it for this interview. And, <laughs> you know, it's, it's not a country you hear a whole lot about.
1: No, well, we hadn't really heard of it until our son went. And uh, I thought, oh, it's just a little country like um, Sweden or Great Britain. And when we looked it up on a map, we were absolutely stunned um, because it's basically it's the world's largest landlocked country and I think it's about the ninth largest country in the world.
2: Wow. So it is big. Yes, it's strange that we is. don't hear a whole lot about what's going on there.
1: I think that was because... Under um, communistic rule, no information went out. Everything was closed in. Right. And um, the Western world didn't really hear very much at all about what was going on in Soviet states. Um, you know, but that, uh, when they gained independence in 1991, um, information began to come out and they reached out to, the, um, to other nations and um, became more of an open, uh, integral part of the world.
2: So what's life like in Kazakhstan?
1: Um, it's very similar to here. Um, there's a lot of um, industry in Kazakhstan. They have great natural resources. Uh, you have those who uh, appear to be extremely wealthy and uh, you have a lot of poverty as well. Um, you have all all different um, levels there and um, there's a lot of employment, I mean, People will go and find a job um, sweeping the streets. I mean, it's employment, um, you know, emptying bins or anything. People just want to work so they can earn some form of an income. Um, Yes, as I say, we saw mainly um, the poorer side, uh, the hardships that a lot of them suffered and went through um, through the work that we were doing there. But um, they do a lot of trade with uh, China, Germany, other nations, and uh, so... You have um, quite a a vast scope, you know, of lifestyles there. We were in the city, Almaty mainly, and um, it was interesting. Uh, Under communistic rule, not many people had a car. When we were there, some families would have three or four cars, you know, BMWs and uh, great big four-wheel drives. (laughs) It was extraordinary.
2: Wow. So, yeah, quite a variety, but like you say, probably fairly similar to life in Australia in many ways.
1: Uh, in some ways, yes. Um, they're westernising more and more. Um, some of their, um, for example, the tourism industry, they're really wanting to build that up, but uh, I, they really don't have the, um, what would you call it, like the facilities, the tourist facilities and the uh, infrastructure that we have here in Australia. They've got a long way to go, I think, before they really reach full Western mm-hmm. standard in a lot of things. What's
2: the food like in Kazakhstan?
1: The food is interesting. Um, it, there are different cultures living in Kazakhstan. There's a lot of Korean uh, population there. Um, you have Dutch, uh, Asian, well, it is a Central Asian nation. Um, you have some German, Americans, people from all over. Um, the food that we ate, we found it fairly bland compared to here, Um The meat was, it tended to be more boiled. They didn't use a lot of spices and herbs. Uh, We ate horse meat, for example, dog meat, which was interesting. (laughs) Uh, Drank horse's milk. That's good for your stomach. And um, small pastry things called um, munty. They're similar to a dim sum and they're steamed. Uh, Very nice. um, It's just basic wholesome food. And... uh, You do all right if you're used to it. Yeah. (laughs) That was a story
2: and a half. (laughs) So, Jen, you packed up your life here in Australia, really felt the call of God to go to Kazakhstan, and very much in terms of missions. How did you come across the work of Teen Challenge?
1: Um, Well, it's interesting. When I was about 17 years old in New Zealand, I um, met or we had a Teen Challenge um, group come around our home church in Napier, and That was my first introduction to it, and I thought they did a great job. And then I didn't have anything more to do with it until this time. And um, that was the organisation my son had visited in Kazakhstan. Uh, And then our church in Ipswich supported the Teen Challenge work there in Kazakhstan. Um, But we had, you know, given our support uh, along with everyone else, but hadn't really sort of thought too much more about it. But um, when God began to lay Kazakhstan on our heart, um, <laughs> it just put quite a challenge to us. And, um, I mean, we'd never thought of being missionaries or anything like that. We were very happy in our basic Australian, you know, comfortable lifestyle. And uh, all my husband wanted was land a horse in a shed house. <laughs> and I had my children and grandchildren, so yeah. I was content. Um but It just kept sitting there and one day we went out camping at Bill with family and friends and everyone said, come on you guys, you don't own real estate, you're footloose and fancy free, why don't you commit yourself to overseas volunteer work or, or missions? And uh, we kept talking and my husband suddenly slapped his knee and said out of the blue, that's it, we're we're going. And <laughs> our jaws hit the floor. <laughs> <laughs> that was the
2: the breaking point was it when everyone all of a sudden just said right come on get up and get out there.
1: Well that's right we were getting an awful lot of encouragement you know and sometimes you'd think well that's very good Um, why don't you go? Yes. (laughs) But some of them had done work like this and so they were pretty inspiring you know to to listen to the things that they had um, done and the work they'd accomplished here and there overseas so um, yes we were sitting there quite comfortable and um, then when he said we'll go we all said well where and he said well Kazakhstan and I said well what will we do there he said we'll go to Teen Challenge and or we'll offer ourselves to Teen Challenge and um, we'll help with vocational training or teach English or whatever we can do however they can use us so there you go. Um, I said well you know how are we going to get there he said oh we'll just go by faith God will provide and I you know I mean this day and age someone says that everybody goes hmm <laughs> but um, that's what happened
2: God has a way of providing especially when he's called you there he'll just make everything slot into place and, and get you
1: there that's right Shirley. he does he has a lovely way of doing it and that's something I've learnt through all this is that if God wants you somewhere he will get you there he's quite capable mm. of directing your path and shedding light on the way and he'll provide what you need uh, in that, you know, where you go and and the work you're doing. Yeah. That was a very big lesson that we learned.
2: Tell us about the work of Teen Challenge there in Kazakhstan. What do they actually do there?
1: It's a wonderful work. Uh, The work was started um, over 20 years ago by an Australian couple, and it's a drug and alcohol rehabilitation work, and it's faith-based, registered as a faith-based, humanitarian work and um, it's a holistic ministry where they believe that you don't just try to get the person off drugs um, or alcohol but you help them to turn their lives around to develop faith in God to gain a new perspective on life and uh, they help to steer them toward new skills and uh, that they can use so they can go out and re-enter society as um, useful members of their community and um, have practical skills as well. Uh, they, there were about 17 centres when we were there and these were scattered all up and down Almaty and uh, in other areas. It's a great work. People just um, volunteered themselves to it. To
2: yeah, it does sound amazing and I'm sure you'd have many, many stories to tell then of the people that came through and saw their lives completely transformed.
1: Yes. Yes. Um, it was very, oh, it was life-changing to see these young men. We were working mainly in men's programs, and there were men of all ages. And you'd see them come in shattered, broken, emaciated, um, their lives pretty much destroyed. And they'd come in and they'd go through detox and then enter the main program and we would be teaching English and we were living among them in their buildings. So we would be sharing their meals and um, a part of their lives. And um, we loved seeing them change. You'd see health come back into their bodies and light come into their eyes and joy would come back into their heart and they would have a sense of accomplishment that they were getting on top of it, you know, Just the transformation in their lives was remarkable and we loved it. We we just loved them. We loved being with them and loved having the privilege of sharing in their lives.
0: You're listening to the story. Today Shelley Skoen is chatting with missionary Jan Mao about her time serving with her husband at Teen Challenge in Kazakhstan. We've just heard about how they witnessed many lives changing for the better at the Drug Rehabilitation Centre. Next, we'll hear how the whole experience changed their lives, that and more when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi I'm Jimmy Colfax You're listening to The Story We're continuing with Shelley Scowen Chatting with missionary Jan Mao About her time serving with her husband At Teen Challenge in Kazakhstan Before the break we heard the remarkable way God led them to drop everything And help recovering drug addicts In another part of the world Now we'll find out what impact This has had on their lives
2: How did the time there change you? Oh
1: Dramatically I think the first thing, I discovered that faith is not a noun, it's a verb, and I've often heard that said, um, and I discovered the reality of that. You can have belief in faith, but when you're thrown into something like this, God has a way of knocking out your religious aspect and showing you what faith is all about. Um, it's easy to say, I trust in God. But then when you're in a situation like that where you have nothing familiar to fall back on, you can't just ring mum, you can't just ring your son or daughter, and you can't hop over the fence to have a coffee with your neighbour. You are there on your own as a woman. You know, I was there on my own in that situation. And um, I really discovered what it was to cling to God and trust that everything would be okay, that he had me in his hands no matter what, you know, and that I would come through. Uh, that was a big thing for me. Um, face like a muscle, you know, it needs to be exercised and it certainly um, pumped my face. up. Mm. <laughs> um, oh, I came back with a love for people and a little personal motto, live to give. Yeah. To me, that's where fulfillment is found. and. I came back just wanting to be a blessing to other people because to me that's I discovered that that's what it's all about Um, physical agendas and ambitions and all those things, they they don't really matter in the long run I have one life on this planet and I want to bless as many people as I can um, in some small way and uh, hopefully God will just use me in other ways in the future
2: (laughs) Mm. I think you've got your priorities straight there I, just, I look at some of the things that we can tend to fill our lives with, you know, whether it's um, sport or other hobbies. And, you know, obviously those things are great. But if that's our main, you know, object in life and the thing that we're putting all of our time and effort towards, then that's not really biblical. I think it's it's great that you, like you say, live to give. Mm.
1: It brings tremendous joy. And uh, I I think it uh, brings God tremendous joy as well, even better. Um, Mm. I mean, while we were there, we were living by faith, as I said, and um, financially, um, that first year we did it tough. I remember at one point there, we were trying to exist after paying the rent to the program and utilities and stuff. We had about ten dollars a week to live on, and um, so we came to experience a pretty simple, basic way of living. But then God put together a small team of supporters and family and friends who began to contribute. On a weekly and monthly basis, but um, yes, <laughs> it's. We found that um, we kept giving. The more we gave, the more God brought in, mm. and it was an amazing thing. There were times when it became a game, <laughs> and uh, we would see, okay, well, we've got all of this. We, we can afford to do this. Let's give this, and so we give a big amount, and all of a sudden people would rock up and say, oh, look, we've got all this furniture you can have, we've got clothes you can have. (laughs) (laughs) Suddenly money would come into the account and we just used to sit there laughing our heads off, saying, all right, Lord, you've blown us away again. Um, Let's see what we can do next month, you know. (laughs) It was just wonderful.
2: Yeah, God has an amazing way of providing for his people and like we said, especially when, when he has called you to a place, he won't forget about you. He won't just leave you there abandoned. He... It might be tough, but He will always look after you and, and make sure you're all right.
1: That's right. Mm. Yes. And we had some scary moments there. Um, I had some scary moments, but um, God brought us through everything. And um, I just discovered how beautiful um, His love is and how, how He protects and cares for you. And, and uh, things don't just stop happening, you know, nothing goes perfectly but he brings you through everything so that you do actually emerge saying, I'm a winner.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you wrote a book as well called Samovars and Shashlik. Can you firstly explain to us the title of the book? What is a samovar and what is shaklik?
1: Okay, a samovar is a traditional Russian kettle. Okay. Um, if you've ever looked, in uh, some of the old rather grim stories, this is where I got it from. Sometimes in little illustrations, you'd see an odd-looking thing that looks like a metal urn on little feet, and it's got a spout on it, and uh, maybe a handle on each side, and they come in various shapes and sizes, but as a child, I saw this in illustrations, and I wanted one, and uh, so when we were over there, I thought, oh, I can get a samovar, you know, I got so excited, <laughs> so <laughs> I, I found one, and um, we brought it back, and I couldn't have cared less if I'd lost all of my luggage. As long as I had my samovar, I was happy. <laughs> now, that's, that's what a samovar is. Okay. Um, shashlik, imagine a shish kebab, very long metal skewers, and it's cooked over an unusual-looking barbecue contraption. Um, and they just spray it with a mixture of vinegar and uh, pepper and everything. And they keep turning them, and they're more or less smoked and um, grilled mm-hmm. over hot coals of a particular kind of wood. So they're basically just a very large shashlik, uh, shish kebab. Yeah, right. So Sounds
2: delicious. Nice. Sounds delicious. And, of course, they were both a big part of your time in Kazakhstan then?
1: Yes. Yes, very much. Shashlik uh, was always on the menu whenever we'd um, go somewhere with, with the um, students uh, or if there was a church function on or a picnic. Uh, out would come this funny-looking contraption and uh, out would come the bowls of marinated chicken meat and everything and um, off they'd go. So there was always shush look about and uh, I think it would have to be one of the most popular meals in Kazakhstan.
2: Yes, okay, so obviously made a bigger impact on you. Yes.
1: What was it that made you want to write
2: the book? I'm guessing you had a whole lot of people telling you that you should write a book about all your adventures?
1: I certainly did. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they were nagging me. Um, so I decided I'd do it because there was so much to tell and uh, I thought well I'm going to have to write it um, it's basically about 2% of what we went through but I wrote it to be an easy walk through, I wanted to share the primary things I remembered um, and just invite people in and um, let them know what we did and uh, about the work there and the joy of um, doing volunteer work and giving yourself to missions work and um, yes, I, I just wanted it to be a book that you could pick up and read through, have a good laugh, but also see some of the heartbreaking moments and the personal challenges that I went through while over there.
2: And if anyone can uh, learn from some of your experiences as well, then that's obviously a great thing. But it's also just wonderful to inspire other people to uh, follow God's will for their life in terms of missions as well.
1: That's right. I look, honestly think that every Christian, um, if there's opportunity and they're able to, um, have a go. Go on a missions trip. Um, people working out in the field, they often feel very isolated and uh, lonely, depending on you know the work they're doing and where they are, etc. Um, emails from home are great, letters and everything. But to have someone come out and volunteer to just, Be there as part of the team give some practical help look even if you could just type a letter um, you know (laughs) dig a garden help fix a truck um, teach children do something it's really appreciated and as long as you go there just prepared to help and you don't go over with the you know the big buana big white buana sort of attitude um, you'll fit in well and uh, it's a wonderful experience and it deepens your faith. Plus, you also provide a tremendous blessing to the people in that place as well.
2: Well, thank you so much, Jen, for telling just some of your story today. I trust it's been a blessing to many people.
1: Well, thanks very much for the opportunity, Shelley. um, Yes, I hope it just encourages others to get up and um, give it a go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
2: sounds good. Thanks so much, Jen.
1: Okay, bye-bye.
0: That was Shelley Scowen chatting with missionary Jan Mao about her time serving with Team Challenge in Kazakhstan and the impact this has had on her and her husband's lives. As we heard at the beginning, they could have easily stayed in Australia and lived that comfortable life, but they were challenged to get involved in helping others and by faith... They took off to serve overseas. What an amazing story of faithfulness to the Lord. And as you mentioned, it was one of the most fulfilling things they'd ever done. The Lord has richly blessed them. The Bible verse that's coming to mind is that from Romans. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Well, thanks for joining us for Jan and her husband's inspiring story. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today.
1: Next time on The Story. As I'm driving up, now the weight is on the back of the trailer and there's just enough moisture in the ground that it begins to slip. Then I jackknifed the tractor and then it rolled on its side and onto me. I have no recollection the moment I jackknifed it The next moment, the tractor is on top of me like an elephant standing on you.
0: Bud found himself tragically pinned underneath his tractor and had to endure 18 hours of excruciating pain before help finally arrived. We'll find out how his faith helped him get through this near-death experience next time. The The Story, just another way vision is connecting faith to life.